Holly G with the Golf Insiders. The balls are in the air at the 151st Open Championship at Royal Liverpool. And it's my pleasure to have as my very special guest today, he is a legend in the international golf media world. He is one of the longest and most successful freelance writers having written for Irish, Scottish, and British newspapers. He is the secretary of the Association of Golf Writers and he has worked with the RNA, yes, the Royal and Ancient for many years, I could go on and on. His resume is the best of the best, and it's my pleasure to introduce Bernie McGuire, live from the Open Championship. Good morning, Bernie. Good morning, Holly. Um, golly, what a, what a next to follow. Are you talking about me? Absolutely, my friend, and my goodness, it looks like a glorious day over there across the pond. Yeah, firstly, Holly, thank you for having me on board. It's, it's always nice to talk to you, and also nice to talk to, to the Americans. I have many fond memories of visiting the States, firstly, in, uh, well, golly, back in late late 1980s, and recently PGA Tour, so it's great to, great to be with you. Greetings from Royal Liverpool. The sun is shining as we speak. A little bit cool this morning at 6.35 when, the, when um, Matthew Jordan and, and his two companions teed off at, here at Royal Liverpool, but it's, the sun's shining as we speak. Glorious day at the moment. A little, little, little breeze, and uh, just to keep them honest, and uh, as, as we talk, Matthew Jordan, who I just mentioned, teed off first, he's coming down the last, a little bit over a little bit over four hours, maybe four and a half hours, and he completes the opening round here, as you said, of the 151st Open Championship. Yes, he is, as they say, the local favourite. He is a, a native of Liverpool, has uh, quite a family history at uh, Royal Liverpool. A lot of pressure on this, uh, on this kid. First uh, ball in the air this morning, and he he recorded the first birdie of the day, Bernie. Yeah, he had a birdie the second hole. He had, he had a little bit of a stray drive down the first hole, but he um he, he regrouped, managed to par, and he birdied the um second. He also birdied the fifth, so he was, he was a leader leader for for a long while. He dropped the shot at sixth, um, birdied eight, and as I said, he's um he's coming down the last at the moment, having just birdied sixteen. So he's, he just played that new 17th hole. Um, so he's at, currently at two under coming down the last hole. He, he mentioned his family. I believe his grandfather was a member at Royal Liverpool and he followed in his father's footsteps as well, who was a member at Royal Liverpool. So he had a lot of, um, had a lot of local support, of course. And there been huge crowds here uh, this morning and, and still coming through the gates as I walk past down the third hole where, where the main entrance gates are. So, yeah, it's a good... good, good Early local story with Matthew Jordan, currently at two under with one to play. So let's first talk about the golf course, and then we'll we'll get into the leaderboard here. Uh, there's quite a bit of history. We know that 
Royal Liverpool brings out the best of the best when it comes to past champions there. Of course, I think uh, it was 2006 when Tiger won, uh, 2014 when Rory won. Uh, just break down some of the, the history, not only of the Open Championship, but this golf course. Well, you can go back, go back further than that. Um, my fellow Australian, Peter Thompson, is a winner at the Open Championship at Royal Liverpool. Robert DiVincenzo is a winner. And, and your own... Bobby Jones was a winner at Royal Liverpool as well. So they were, they were in a period after, um, I guess, when Peter Thompson won in the 50s, where they didn't have an Open for a long while. The course just wasn't up to up to probably um, Open Championship standards, but that all changed in 2006 when um, they had the Open Championship there. Um, Tiger, of course, had won the Open the year before at St Andrews. And that year in 2006, when I was present, the, the golf course was just so brown. It was just... The fairways were like, well, if I can use it in English and Australian sort of cricket term, the, the fairways were hard as a cricket pitch. If anyone, anyone, anyone of your visitors knows cricket, um, very rock hard, very brown. Um, I, I think that 2006, um, your viewers may be aware too, that Tiger only used the driver once over the four rounds at um, Royal Liverpool in 2006. And there was the um, very emotional scenes when he when he um, sort of collapsed into his caddy's arms because his father had passed away uh, recently before he teed up at Royal Liverpool. Uh, I remember that last day, too, he played with Sergio Garcia, who had, had, on, the, had on these outfits during the week of all, all, all of one colour. So he turned up here on Friday with a blue cap, blue shirt, blue trousers. He turned up on Sunday, which I thought was probably the wrong colours for a sort of contest alongside Tiger Woods, but with a yellow cap, a yellow shirt and yellow trousers. I still remember that. And it was just, um, if I just sort of dodge a bit, Holly, it was an open where the mobile phones were totally out of control, so much so that in 2007, the um, RNA banned the use anyone taking in mobile phones to Carnoustie when we went there in 2007 and Harrington won. So there's a few memories. And also, as Tiger walked onto the green there, the 72nd hole, someone in the grandstand threw a purple dye that had just exploded on the green. So the back part of the green was just covered in purple dye. Some, in some of the scenes like we're seeing today with this sort of, with this protesters, you know, throwing, uh, you know, dye everywhere, protesting, a guy walked on the nose onto Wimbledon the other week with scattered jigsaw puzzles all, all over the course. So the RNA have been fearing that maybe happening this week. But those, those are some of the memories from... Um, 2000 and, um, 2006 when Tiger won, as I said, very emotional. I was there back in 2014 when Rory won, and I can't believe now we are, everybody's talking about the fact that it is nine years since Rory won. You know, I, I just did a bit of check the other day in one of my previews that it took Rory 11 events to win his first Open, I mean, win his first major. He then won four in 25. And it's now been 33 majors since he last won that Open, won the PGA Championship in Valhalla in 2014, because in 2014, as you know, Holly, the PGA Championship was the last of, was the last of the four majors. So, and I remember walking the, um, I remember walking the course um, during one of the rounds, and um, Lindsay Bond, who was going out with Tiger at the time, she was walking inside the ropes with Tiger, and um, we on the Friday that. Open Championship in 2009, Bob Torrance, 
who was a coach to so many of the players, including Portrick Harrington and Paul McGinley. He had passed away. And I remember Tiger was very complimentary in some of his comments as a mark of respect to Bob Torrance, who passed away that Friday of the opening in 2014. And then, and as we know, we, we came to Sunday. Rory won. Um, he, Ricky Fowler made a good good effort to try and nudge his claret junk out of Rory's hands, but Rory won it. And here we are, nine years down the track and 33 majors on. And hopefully Rory might get his hands on it again this year, Holly. Yes. Well, we'll talk about Rory in a minute. So many players that are on the radar for this Open Championship. Of course, uh Cam Smith being the uh, defending champion. If we look at uh, last year and the year that was, Bernie, who would have thought we would have been through such a controversial period of time in the world of golf? But putting that aside, uh, what we know about fans over there as being some of the best students of the game uh, in terms of their knowledge, but typically it's the golf course that often is in the headlines because we often get Mother Nature as the hidden hazard when it comes to the Open Championship. So how are we looking for the weather? And in terms of this this fantastic golf course, uh, how are the players going to escape all those pot bunkers? Well, good, good point you raised, Holly, because the weather since I arrived on Monday has been very mixed. We've had we've had um, we've had a bit of rain, had a lot of sunshine. The sun, sunshine would go away again, and rain again. Um, it was sort of off and on for the first first few days, even yesterday. We were there yesterday too. Look, it's, it's glorious today, but you asked what it's like going forward. Well. There's a 56% chance of rain early tomorrow, but what the officials, if they're fearing anything, the conditions are not very good for the weekend. Rain, I've just looked at the weather forecast, Holly. There's rain forecast, 70% chance of rain from 6am all day. Wind's getting stronger in the afternoon, but Sunday's probably looking the poorest at the moment. A 65 just 70% chance of rain from 6 o'clock in the morning over here, which is five hours ahead of the east coast of the States, to um, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Then there's a threat of lightning local time between 2 p.m. and 7 p.m. Sunday. So it's not looking that good on the on the, um, on the the weekend. So and also one of the things, too, was we were down here in April for a media day, which the RNA hosts each year for the media. And that was very brown then, very brown, and looked very brown in the... In the last in the weeks of May, early June, it was being brown. I was seeing pictures of it, very brown. Not not as brown as say St Andrews last year, but it had a nice nice brown tinge. But uh, now, with all this rain recently, and even the rain at the start of this week, is looking very green. The, the, the rough is looking very juicy too, Holly. Certainly not not a 15 handicappers golf course at the moment for this guy. Well, we're yeah. not used to seeing. Uh, uh, open championship golf courses green that's for sure this uh, Royal Liverpool a little different it's flat we we often are used to seeing the dunes of course it's got the signature fescue uh, you can yeah. look across and and see the sea which is often uh, the characteristic of course of Lynx courses 
Uh, but lots of buzz, Bernie, about hole number 17, the new par 3 that they built uh, to sort of spice up the final holes at Royal Liverpool. What's been the uh, takeaways in terms of the players in this, this really uh, fascinating par 3? Next to that question, Holly, I think a lot of the players have been complimentary to the hole. Look, it's not a 200-yard hole. Uh, it's 130-60 yards. You know, you, um, a lot of the players, players have been sort of... It's not the same, but players have been drawing sort of reference to this, this short distance with, with say, the postage stamp at Royal Troon, the past three hole, and also maybe the 12th hole at Augusta, um, you know, in terms of sh shortness of hole. Does it... Does it, does it does the par three hole need to be 200 yards long to be tough? Well, you know, yes, a lot of times it is. But this is 136 yards. The players, where, the funny thing is about it is, Holly, is it's a, it's a new hole, as you mentioned. Uh, it was redesigned by that champion golf course designer, Martin Ebert, who's been involved in a lot of, um, probably he's on board probably as an RNA, probably golf course advisor, supervisor, because he designed, he redesigned that 17th hole, and he's redesigned a lot of, lot of the holes on the Open Championship rotor. Um, funny, I was down there the other day, there is a grandstand, on, of course, around the tee there at 17th hole, and there's a grandstand as you're looking at the hole on the tee on the right-hand side, and on the right-hand side of that hole, it's got in, on the grandstand these the three words, forged by nature. And now, uh, whether that's um, that that sort of phrase or three words means that, that the hole was forged by nature, well, certainly it wasn't. It's been forged out of the out of the actual surrounds. It's sort of it's funny because I mentioned to you this over the phone earlier in the week when I spoke to you. The hole goes in a way where you're sort of it's plays at 17, but normally on the scorecards and the members, it's the 15th hole. That's the case with the with the first hole. Um, this week is, is, is um, normally the I mean sorry the third hole of the championship this week is normally the first hole for the members but this 17th hole as you mentioned is the 15th hole on the scorecard for the members <laughs> the hole is called Little Eye um, and they might mention that in the TV coverage well Little Eye is the name of one of the islands off the coast as you sort of play any golf course when you play 16 when you think when you turn you play 17, 18, you're sort of turning to home. But when you get off 16, you're actually turning away from the course. You're sort of turning uh, turning to the left to play 17. And it's, and it's into the, um, into, the into sort of the breeze because if those looking at the TV coverage will see there's a big body of water behind the T, and that's the River D, which, you know, flows off the coast into the Irish Sea. So it's, it's got the influence of that sea. And if the wind, wind were to spring around and come face to face, face into the face of those on the tier 17, it's going to be playing much longer than the 136 yards. But at the moment, um, I noticed that um, I'm just checking. Matthew Jordan's been one of the first players to play 17. And I think he got away with a par there, which is not too bad. Um, you said it's, it's popular. Yes, it's popular with the, with the players. Um, it wasn't too popular. With the members, I believe, when it, when it first, you know, mooted, when it, when it was first played for the first time, uh, I think it was back in all golly, I think it was back, back, back about well, a couple of years ago, it was remodelled. And, um, you know, look, 
I, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer, as, as I just mentioned, Holly, I don't like two, 200 yard par threes. You know, it can still be a good test at 136 yards, as is the postage stamp at Royal Tune. And, you know, I've played Augusta a couple of times, fortunate enough to be pulled out of the ballot when I've covered the Masters. And the 12th hole, you know, it's a short hole, but golly, that's a, that's a great test for golf. Well, let's not, let's not forget, too, in the world of beloved par threes and memorable par threes, the seventh hole at Pebble Beach, and, of course, uh, the island green at Sawgrass. Of course, yeah, yeah, of course. And, you know, and those, those, those sort of holes, even, even at that short distance, can, can still have your knees knocking. And particularly this new hole at um, the 70s at Royal Liverpool we've been talking about, because if you don't hit the green, you're in all sorts of trouble. The green's raised up, and, and it drops down at the front, it drops down at the back, and it drops down the, down the both sides to very steep bunkers. And, um, you know, the, the spectators may have a lot of fun seeing some of these players. When it, if, it, if the wind picks up as, it, as it's promised to do this afternoon, they're going to have a lot of fun trying to get out of some of these bunkers to a, to a very high green. Well, I think for the, you know, us average Joes watching... Uh, the British Open, as we like to call it, um, <laughs> we we get to feel the pros at times being like the rest of us, Bernie. We see them sometimes having to hit balls sideways out of bunkers, backwards out of bunkers, because they have those very deep faces. Can you ex- explain to my listeners ex- exactly how those bunkers are, are made and why they're so unique? Well, it's, 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 all, part of, it's all part of the Lynx makeup, Holly, isn't it? Those, those, those sort of fans of yours listening in, if they've been fortunate enough to play the old course of St. Andrews, there's, there's some holes there that if your ball, ball gets up to the face of a bunker, I don't know what you're going to do. <laughs> you can have, a, you can have, the, you can have the, the widest wedge, you can have a 64 degree wedge, you can have a 78 degree wedge. It's, it's, just, it's, it's just sometimes, I don't know, you've just got to use imagination and sometimes it's a miracle to get out of some of these bunkers, you know, because people can, people can, some of the bunkers, as I mentioned, you know, if you go to the old course of St. Andrews and this, particularly this one at um, the 17th hole at Royal Liverpool, it can really ruin a scorecard, that's for sure. Well, you just mentioned something very important. Uh, imagination, and I would say the other word is creativity. You heard the players say this a number of times in the press conferences earlier in the week. In particular, someone who might not get his his due, if you will, as as a creative player, but uh, Brooks Kepka, a lot of people don't realize, played a lot of golf in Europe before he made it to the PGA Tour. He was what we like to call a journeyman pro in his early days. But Brooks loves Lynx golf, and he said it, it too, is about creativity. It's, it's about, you know, avoiding the bunkers and positioning yourself in the right spot and just playing smart. You're quite right. You know, a lot of times when you play these links courses, and if I can, if I can just divert for a second, Holly, um, there's, there's a lot of people that would come to Scotland. And I probably won it at first. The definition of a links golf course, I was told once by a chap named Pat Ruddy, a really de- dear old Irishman. Pat gave me this great definition of a, a links golf course. And our links golf course is the link between the 
the ocean or the sea and the arable land. So that link of sand between the ocean, the sea or the arable land, that's why it's, that's called a link. That's why they're called links golf courses because they've, they've been built and established and, and shaped on that part of the land that's not, not good for farming but it's still well grassed and it's got always got a sand base. And I'm, I'm a member up in Crail, which is not too far from um, St Andrews, and we've got, a, we've got a Lynx golf course designed by old Tom Morris, and, and, uh, and then that's what a Lynx golf course is, because we've got, we've got the uh, North Sea and St Andrews Bay all the way down our right-hand side when we, when we tee off, and then when we come around the back of the course, we've got farmland. So a lot of people who've been to St Andrews might might be surprised the amount of farming goes on because there is a lot of farming in that area between the ocean and the um, and the and the, um, the arable land. And that's what that's what the definition of a lynx golf course is. That's why they call it a lynx. And um, you know the, um, there's some great look. Lynx golf course is great. And as I said, when the ground gets a bit hard and bouncy, you know the visiting Americans coming over, you know Australians, everybody from Europe coming over to play golf. The, the, um, the yardage book is out the window. You, you don't use it because you get a lot of bump and run shots. You get, you, more often than not, you can play 18 holes with Polly on a Lynx golf course. As you know, you would never go for the flag on those 18 holes because there's some sort of angle where the ball's going to kick left or right. You need to run it into the green. and you just, it, you don't, You're not playing like target golf, if I can use that expression. As you, as you well know, you sort of, you've got to leave the, sometimes leave the yardage book in your back pocket and just sort of pick out something in the distance, of, you know, even if maybe a, a windmill or even on the course in Crail, we've got one hole there, the fifth hole in Crail, and sometimes there's a, head of, there's a herd of cattle behind the green, and sometimes you'll, you'll pick out a ball on the, on the line of a cow, just so you get the right line into the green, and that's how sometimes it's links golf. It's fun, and it's also quirky too. So he looked, he's looking for favourites this week, probably Brooks, Brooks Kefka, he's in good form, isn't he? Uh, he's he, you know, we know that Brooks dials it in when it comes yeah. to the majors. Short list that our pundits uh, have been talking about: Bernie, of course. Uh, uh, John Rahm uh, started out the year uh, just on fire, has cooled a little bit, but John is is a good pick for this week and weekend. Of course, Rory coming in, uh, winning the Scottish Open. But uh, let me ask you, Bernie, is is that a blessing or a curse for Rory? It's awful hard to go back-to-back. Yeah, it hasn't been done very often. It was was done in um, 2007, as we know, in 2008 by Port de Carrington. He he beat Sergio in a playoff at Carnoustie. Then he went down to... um, Royal Birkdale, he won there. Actually, I remember uh, Greg Norman was in contention for most of the day, and I carried him from memory. Pulled off a great eagle shot at 17 to win, to win a, a second open in a row. So it hasn't, hasn't, what is it? Really, you know, it's been over a decade since that's transpired. Cam Smith could be, um, you know, he's a good things player. He, he, he's in good form. Um, you know, and you mentioned John Rahm. Well, John Rahm. Every time I see John Rahm, it reminds me of Sebi. He's just got that sort of. You know, he balanced the ball so well, John Rahm, and he's, he's got that sort of flamboyant sort of... And he shows a bit of a little bit of aggression and sort of frustration that Sebi was notorious for. Yeah, he's he's, yeah, he's got that fire in the belly, as they say. Uh, yeah, and very much, very much a mirror of what 
what Sebi was like too, and you know John Rahm is in the best of form, being the Masters champion too. So you can't you can't rule that out, can you? Winning the Masters and the Open in the one year would be special, wouldn't it? Now, uh, Scotty Scheffler coming yeah. in with the most consistent golf at the moment. He's not, he's not number one in the world for, for you know, there's a reason why he's number one in the world, isn't there, Holly? He's, um, he's a class player, played well last week at the um, Genesis Cottage Open. Taking, taking a lot of uh, shots at the moment because of his cutting, but uh, look out if, uh, if he starts getting the flat stick hot. You know, I'm also like, um, you know, Jordan Spieth, he's, he's, he's a former Open champion, as you know. He knows how to win around those links courses. Shane Lowry, um, more of Irish, one of my Irish clients, he's, um, he, he's starting to show a bit of form as well, too. He, you know, just, there's a lot of photographs around the media center of the taking of the players inside the locker room. And it, it, it obviously post photographs, but they're stunning photographs. And every day I, I go past the photograph of Shane Lowry sitting all by himself on a little seat within the locker room, just with a claret jug in his hands, just looking at the names of winners. It's a great photograph. There's one there also, like in the room, in this room here where we are, we're Liverpool. Rory doing the same sort of photograph. It's one of those really great shots. He's just sitting there all by himself with his head, with his sort of cap raised a little bit, and just looking at the names and admiring the names on the on the claret jug. Listen, can I mention? Can I mention the claret jug, Holly? Absolutely. Now, there's a there's a mistake on the claret jug that many you readers and listeners might not know about. But back in I think it was 1947, uh, Fred Daly won the Open Championship, and the guy who engraved the claret jug put it on it Holy Lake, H-O-L-Y, L-A-K-E, and that that mistake remains on the claret jug because it was. One in 1947 by Fred Daly at Royal Liverpool, which the little village of Hoylake is right beside it. But the engraver at the time spelled Hoylake wrong and put Holy Lake. Oh my so, goodness. So if you ever get your hands on a carriage jug and you're looking for the. Someone says, Have you seen. I've, actually, I was asked. I asked Jack, Zach Johnson when I saw him soon after he won the, the um, Open at in 2015 at the old course. I said, Jack, you spotted the mistake on a claret jug. Said, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? I said, go to 1947 and see how they spelled Holy Lake. <laughs> they spelled Holy Lake. There you go. All right. So um, let's talk a little bit about some of the, the UK squad. One of my favorites and probably... Uh, I think he's considered one of the nicest guys on tour. Tommy, as I like to call him, pour me a black and tan Fleetwood. What's it going to take for Tommy to break through? Oh, golly. Um, if, 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 look, if, if, if you've got any, any um, crowd favoritism, he's going to have it this week. Uh, Tommy's very popular with it. You know, everybody across Britain, whether it's been Scottish or English or Irish, Won many times on a European tour. Won the, or, or the um, number one title, race to Dubai title a couple of years back. But, you know, Tommy, oh, golly, it'd be nice to see Tommy. He's, he's still young. He's still only about 32, I think. It'd be nice to see him, you know. He's, as he, you know, he could probably could argue, Holly, do, do, do golfers deserve to win a major? Really, you really still have to earn a major, haven't you? You just can't, you can't be handed the major championship on a plate, can you? Brilliant point. Just ask Rory. I know. Well, Tommy, he, he was fourth in 2022 last year, St. Andrews. 
and he's coming he's coming off a fifth place at the Open, so he's got one he's got he's got two four he's got six top tens in the majors since he's since his first first um, taste of the Open Championship in 2014. And sorry that, that he was runner up in 2019, not 2014. So look, there's um. There's six top tens, including two seconds in, in, the, in the majors and, and coming off a fourth last year at the Open. So, you know, he's got some credentials to step forward and be handed the Claret Joke, hasn't he? And someone we've uh, fallen in love with after his historic uh, win at the U.S. Open last year at the Country Club, Matty Fitzpatrick, of course, getting his first major. Well, that was that was a big effort too, and I, you know, I, remember, I remember those scenes. We, we um, as a golf writers association, as you introduced me at the start of your show, um, we hosted Billy Foster last year, um, Matt Fitzpatrick's caddy. We we um, we had three awards at our dinner night, which was held this Tuesday actually, and uh, we awarded Billy with his um, services to golf award just for his sort of relationship, what he's done for golf, and uh, you know that was great for him because. He, Billy actually caddied for Seve a long time ago, and um, he, that was his, he's been on the bag. He's, he's such a gentleman. He's so, so approachable. And what we do in the media, he's really good for quotes. And if we need a story, we can always go to Billy. But he was he got his first major win with Matt Fitzpatrick last year, so that was really special too. You know, Matt Fitzpatrick as an Open champion, to go with the US Open, there's not too many people who won a US Open and an Open, open Championship, have they? One, well, of course, Rory McIlroy has done that. And another one of my um, uh, UK favorites, if you will, and we have such a hard time pronouncing his name for some reason over here. Is it Terrell? Is it Terrell? T. Hatton, who won Bay Hill here in Orlando, Arnie's tournament. Put a mic on him and he could entertain you for the whole round. Yeah, Terrell Hatton, we call him. Terrell. He's won a good time a few times and as his in Europe as well, as you said, but I was there and um, there when he won the Arnold Palmer tournament and got fitted with a red red cardigan, which is nice. And yeah, he's, he's a he's a feisty character. Gets a bit moody. He's um, one of those one of those guys you've got to be careful sometimes when you approach him for a comment. But most times he's pretty obliging. And he, look, he's um, he's had a he's, a, he's really he hasn't been knocking on the door for majors, but he, he seems to be always there, doesn't he, Holly? He, he certainly is. And, and we've gotten to know so many of these players uh, in your neck of the woods, Bernie. Uh, really speaks to the, you know, the global nature of the game. Just fill my listeners in a little bit about, about the R&A and the work they do globally and the state of the R&A address on Wednesday with Martin Slumbers, the CEO. Yeah, that, um, well, there's a, one of the last, a couple of the last few questions there were, uh, was like a bit of a bombshell, probably as, you, as you're referencing the fact that, that the RNA, Martin Slumbers is the CEO, they would not rule out um, any any approach from P, the PIF fund, the Saudi-backed PIF fund, to um, help sponsor the Open. Of course, um, Martin Summers pointed out quite quite rightly that, that the that the Open and of course like the Masters and like the US Open and the PGA will never never have a never have a title sponsor, but that's not to say that and he didn't and when he got when he got asked about whether they would be, consider accepting Saudi 
funds. He said, yes, they, they wouldn't. They would not rule that out. And he sort of said it, made reference, Martin made reference to the fact that, you know, the sporting landscape is changing. He, he, he pointed out Formula One draws a lot on Saudi-backed money. Um, football in Britain, those, are no, those, in, those fans listening, if they know the British football, like Manchester, Manchester um, City is owned by Saudi-backed money. Uh, Newcastle as well, Newcastle United is back Saudi money. Um, tent, the, the landscape in the financial sponsorship of, of sport is changing, and, and, and the Saudi, the Saudi is having a lot to do with that. And um, there was a direct question of Martin, and he, and, he, and he was quite honest in saying that, that they would not rule out if, um, if there was a you know approach uh, to help sponsor the tournament in some way, because they've got a lot of good sponsors at the moment. They've got Mastercard. HSBC, but um, it's like everybody, every everybody, I guess. You know, if, if someone comes to you with open hands, with a lot of cash to help you, you know, fund an event like the Open Championship, do you close the door or not? Well, Martin, Martin Summers, point just you know, as I said, going on record saying they would not close the door on any Saudi-backed approach for funds to help support the staging of the Open. All right, this is when I ask uh, my guests to. Throw your dart, Bernie. Look into your crystal ball and that uh, leaderboard, and who are you going to pick who, to lift the claret jug on Sunday and be declared the champion golfer of the year? Champion golfer of the year for 2023 is Shane Lowry. Ooh, going Irish. I can't argue yeah, with that Irish, one. He, um, he, 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 he gave me the brush last week in Scotland, but um, I had a quick word with him the other day, and, and, and he, he's looking good. He's a good links player. Um, those scenes when he won at Royal Port Rush back in 2019 is special. And um, probably I've, I've been, my, my heart's been sort of uh, twinged a bit by seeing this photograph in the media centre every day as I walk past of him sitting, as I mentioned earlier, in the locker room at Royal Port Rush and just looking at that claret jug. He's a good links player. He's a good lad. He's, um, he gets a bit feisty at times. He's, um, he can give you a couple of words when you ask for a, have a chat with him. <laughs> a couple of words which I won't repeat on this show, Polly. But uh, he, his heart's in the right place. And I think he's got a good, good links game. And uh, he'd be a popular winner, Shane. Popular second winner of the Open Championship. I'd like to look um, um, Australian to the core. I walked, um, I walked all 18 holes with Adam Scott back there in Royal, Royal Liffham a few years ago, and he, and he bogeyed the last four holes, you know, the hand, hand the club to a, a totally bewildering and shocked Ernie Ells. You remember that? Those scenes. But then again, I, I, was, I was fortunate to be in Augusta the next year when he won the, became the first Australian. He brought, the, he brought the whole of the country to a stop because it was on a Monday morning, given the time difference, and uh, he brought the whole country to a stop becoming the first Australian to win a Masters. Now, can he, could Adam Scott maybe win an Open Championship for the first time? Yes, he can. But, um, and I'm probably, you know, probably people would be saying, well, he's an Australian-born. Why is he picking an Irishman? Well, my surname's Maguire, and, and, we, and it all comes back to those days back in the early 1860s when they all came out from Ireland to re renew their life and set, a, set up a new career and occupation and, you know, Everything like that back in the 1860s. So I'm Irish, Irish surname, and I'm going to stick my neck out and pick Shane Larry to win the 151st Open Championship. Well, 
It is always a pleasure, Bernie McGuire, to speak with you. Nothing I love better than to get up at 4 a.m., put the bunny slippers on, <laughs> uh, put a little something in my cup of joe, enjoy <laughs> some really exciting golf, some, some golf that we rarely get to see over here, and it's just so much fun as both a player and a fan. And so I can just say, Holly, um, to all, everyone listening, Holly's a national treasure, so she's one of the great supporters of pro golf, men's golf, ladies' golf, so get in there and support her in any way you can, and uh, Holly, it's, it's always great to speak to you, looking forward to welcoming you to this side of the, the pond, and also looking forward to hopefully all those listening, come over and visit Scotland, come and visit Ireland, come and visit England, come and play these courses, come and have fun, because it's, you know I've been over here for about... 25 years now. I don't do don't do Scottish winters, but uh, it's fun in these months of the year when you play golf up to 10 o'clock at night and uh, you really enjoy yourself. And Holly, always good to speak to you and thank you for the opportunity to speak with you again. The one, the only, Bernie McGuire. Thank you so much, my friend.